Hey, and welcome back to our street. My name's Cardelder, and hey, I just want to wish everyone Memorial Day. Nice hot one out there. We got through it, and well, I guess we're still getting through it, but it's been a beautiful day. And on top of that, our uh, fun drive has uh, come to an end, and man, you guys came out. We had 400, excuse me, 641 donors. Each of you made a contribution to support community media in Lincoln. And that's over the entire Give to Lincoln season of giving. So, so far, donations in total to KZM totaled $49,745. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, hey, gang, tonight, um, as you can hear from this, it's just me speaking tonight. Uh, Lynn has the evening off. He's spending some uh, wonderful time with his family. But tonight, I just really wanted to dive into some of the uh, brass tacks and some of the nitty-gritty of some of the work that I do within the city and just trying to share with you some of those results. So as many of you know that I work for the city or I work with the urban development department and over the last, gosh, probably five, six months, we've been going through a series of planning processes that really impact what we do and how we do it here within the city of Lincoln. And I just wanted to share those with you just so you could know more about how your government works but then also share with you some of those results of what we've learned so far. And at the end, if we have enough time, we're going to talk about some of those goals and projects that we're you know, uh, proposing for the next uh, five years and then going forward. So if I happen to lose some of you in the transition, I'm going to apologize right now. <laughs> but yeah, um, so we have uh, uh, four big pieces that, that I really want to cover tonight. One of those is... Um, our analysis of impediments to fair housing. And that might sound like some really boring talk, but really it's just some really basic um, questions that we ask ourselves when when we think of housing and then access to opportunities in our communities, such as, hey, you know, um, you know, what are those things that I look at when I'm trying to find a place to live? Hey, what are those things that I want access to, whether they be privately owned, like a business, a restaurant, a, a tavern, or something that's more publicly owned, say like uh, parks, trees, trails, playground equipment, things like that. So we did a planning process in which we uh, really uh, just dove into that and just uh, assessed where we were as a as a community. So I just want to uh, talk a little, a little bit about that. The second or four would be uh, as part of that first process, uh, that analysis of impediments to fair housing, and also as a process that ties to how we plan out, how we use our federal funds over the next five years. We did a really just deep community engagement effort uh, with a series of focus groups, one-on-one -on -one interviews, a really in-depth community survey. And I just wanna go over some of those uh, base results with you. And then lastly, uh, not lastly, but third or four, um, talking about that planning effort in which we describe how and where we're gonna use our federal funds. Again, that might seem a little boring and to some of those uh, listeners out there that have known me for a while, you know that I just love this stuff. So I'm going to try my best to explain how, how we got from point A to point B and why we and others in the community thought that certain actions were uh, worthy of uh, funding. Lastly, uh, if we have time, if I need some filler, if I need filler, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to talk about food access. Uh, I am working with the Community Health Endowment and also with the Nebraska Extension offices uh, in which we are looking at food access and how we measure what food access looks like within Lincoln. 
And depending on some of the feedback that we get, which I'm thinking that that one by itself might get quite a bit of feedback. Uh, we might just do a whole unique show on what food access looks like in Lincoln and how we can move forward on improving those uh, gaps be- between uh, those who want and then those uh, private investments that are providing that access. So let's just dive into it, as Lynn would say. All right. So first thing I want to go over is just this uh, analysis of impediments effort. So before we do a big planning process, I, a, a stipulation uh, from the Federal Housing and Urban Development Department is that we, uh, is that we assess those impediments to, to um, uh, fair housing. And so what that looks like is there's a, there's a series of data tables that we pull from HUD itself. We get a number of data tables from uh, the census, but then we also backfill as as uh, primary resources lots and lots of administrative information, not only from the Lincoln Housing Authority, but from those own data sources that we have. Also based on our connections within the community, we also have a trove of uh, other data connections that we pull into this effort. Uh, long story short is that we spent... Just, just, just to give you an idea of, 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 of how much time and effort that our community places into this idea, I'm going to give you two, uh, two pieces here. So it, the effort required to complete our updated analysis of impediments to fair housing uh, was really about an eight to 900 hour effort. Granted, that's not just one person doing it solely by themselves. That's just... That's, that's just mind-boggling. Instead, it's a series of professionals pulling, pulling their time together and then working with focus groups and, again, surveys and things of that nature. So what we came up with on those analysis of impediments to fair housing, we came up with impediments, and we came up with seven identified impediments, and we had about 15 contributing factors. And a contributing factor is things that if you have enough of those that combined and, and, and they're similar in nature, those can form an impediment. And so those contribute to an impediment. What I have open right now is my laptop. Let's see if I can get this pulled open. I apologize for not having it open sooner. always exciting when you think you know where things are but then they're not on live radio that's just not what i wanted to do thank you so much found it so it's those impediments that we identified uh, right off and actually we'll just kind of cover some of those contributing factors first there's 15 of them first one was i'll just rattle off the uh, first five so you can get in get a flavor of the ideas of what a contributing factor might be It'd be the location and type of affordable housing, uh, community opposition, lack of private investments in specific neighborhoods, such as grocery, private housing, things of that nature, a lack of federal funds, uh, lack of of, uh, affordable integrated housing for persons with supportive services, things of that nature. So when we have those uh, contributing factors, they then contributed to a number of uh, number of impediments. Impediments that we identified within our you know, plan process was uh, one: um, there is a need to increase affordable housing options throughout the city. Second is we need to work to maintain existing affordable housing. 
Three, we need to support local fair housing education, enforcement, and marketing. Four, increase access to and information about affordable housing and rental opportunities throughout the city. Five, section seven would be improve access to and education and information about policies affecting public transportation. Six, improve public perception of affordable housing and the areas with affordable housing. And lastly, improve access to community and neighborhood assets. So those are our seven. Uh, what we learned through our first, uh, not our first, but our last uh, five-year plan with this was that we tackled a big problem. And while we achieved, I believe, 98% of all of our uh, actions that we said we were going to do, and we had identified about 256 actions, so we identified and completed a number of actions, that was just a lot of, lot of effort. And in talking with our uh, HUD counterparts, we really focused down on those first four impediments as our primary impediments for this next planning period. So again, primary ones going into this next plan process will be uh, increasing affordable housing options throughout the city, working to maintain existing affordable housing options, support fair housing, education, enforcement, and marketing. And lastly, increase access to and information about affordable housing, home ownership, and rental opportunities throughout the city. So those are pretty lofty goals there. And to anyone who thinks that uh, perhaps we need to, uh, to those out there who would think that this document is written in stone, please know that this is a living document and it changes with the times of our community. And if we need to go back and do a reassessment during the middle of the plan period, that's something that we would gladly do. So those are some of the impediments that we're working on. And with those, uh, with those impediments and with those goals and with those sub-actions, which we didn't cover, those really feed into how we do our plan process. And as, as part of that, and as part of that joint process was that survey process, I would like to go over just some of those uh, survey results. So um, before we get into that, I think we're going to take a, just a quick early break and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, do our best and uh, we'll just be right back. So... All right, welcome back to our street. I'm still Kurt Elder, and we're having a brass tacks conversation today about some of those efforts that we do within the city to improve the quality of life that we have here within the uh, within our community. Earlier in the show, within that first half, we uh, we had one of the one over the uh, four things that we are going to be covering tonight. In the first half of the show, we talked about what the analysis analysis of impediment to fair housing was, and why that's kind of important to our planning processes for how we. Uh, for how it guides our effort to use our federal funds over a five-year period. Uh, the third of those, we'll skip up this, we'll just hold on the second idea, but the third of those four was this consolidated planning process, which was, as I said, a process that uh, helps us and tells us how, and not it doesn't tell us how, but we tell the government how our analysis of impediments and how our understanding of our local factors, both using data sets and, and just local knowledge, how we can best use our federal funds to achieve the most for our community. A common thread between those two is a broad public participation process. Part of that is focus groups. Part of that is one-on-one -on -one conversations. It is consultations with other nonprofits and other service providers. It's it's in concert with other planning plans and processes, such as our affordable, such as our quarter, our coordinated affordable housing action plan with our comp plan, L plan. 2050 with our 
a continuum of care plan. Um, this idea is not an island to itself. It is a collaboration amongst many different plans. And again, as part of our process, we had a community survey. And I know that, you know, Purvis might think that, oh, community surveys, um, I filled them out. Some of us don't fill them out. But, you know, surveys are a, a just a, a dime a dozen. Well, the results that we promoted on this show, um, let me rephrase that. A couple of weeks ago, we promoted that survey, and you guys really came out, and you really helped uh, provide some really good input within, within that survey, and so I thank you for that. Uh, that survey was uh, promoted throughout um, public notices. Um, it, was, it was pushed out through uh, uh, common plans. It was pushed out through collaborations with other nonprofits. It was pushed out through uh, the local real estate association and a few other large mail distribution lists. We also had a pay to go directly to renters. So um, yeah, we just worked hard to get a really broad, diverse uh, input into that survey and you guys really delivered. Thank you. Uh, the quality of data that we got is of the same uh, data quality that we get from the census at the tract level. And that might sound like a foreign term to some, to um, some, just to some of you. But uh, if we would think about uh, geography, uh, we have a county that is one geography. Then we have tracks, and within so basically you just break the county part into smaller pieces. And in Lancaster County, we have eighty-one tracks. And so it's the data quality we got from our survey was at that level. So it was a really good, really good data set. When we look at that survey, there was probably, I'm telling you looking at it now, there was 99 questions. That's a beefy survey. We fully admit that. Um, but the way that you would answer all 99 questions would be if you, you know, said yes to a number of different questions. The average user would probably have this, have their survey completed within, you know, 10, under 10 minutes. So, um, one of the questions within that survey uh, is the fun things that I think that I really want, wanted to focus on and some of the things that really ties back to the analysis of impediments to fair housing. So one of the questions we asked was, we'll back up. it was, please rate the degree to which the following factors influence your choice of residence. So we had a number of factors and we had them rate them from one to five, one being not very important, the five being very important. So some of those things that we had asked people just, just to rank um, a wide variety of things such as such as uh, uh, restaurants, gathering spaces, retail, grocery stores, parks, sidewalks, things of that nature. So, so it was, what were those things that influenced your choice of where to live? And we, in the past, I've broken this down, you know, answers by renter and owner. And if we wanted to do that now, we would be on this topic for a really long time. So perhaps that's its, its own show as well. But we, when we look at those weighted uh, weights, as far as what did people really want the most? What was their main you know, factor in choosing where to live? Parks was number one. Number two, and I'm not going to go down the whole list because the whole list of these questions, there's probably about like 15 uh, ranked reasons. I'm just going to go through maybe the, the um, uh, top five or 10. So again, we have parks, quality sidewalks, grocery stores, trails, 
and tree canopy. That is number five. I thought that tree canopy was a really in interesting want. You know, when we think about that, it is when we just think of, of how a city grows, so many of our more established communities, perhaps some, they might be more affordable in nature, our older stock, think the 1950 boundary of Lincoln. And those of you that, that don't know the 1950 boundary of Lincoln, imagine roughly 56th street on the east going south and on going, that's your north south. Then on the south, you're probably around pioneers, rough justice, 1950 that way. Um, so many of those older portions of the community have established trees and they have established tree cover, whereas many of our new developments, of course, are new and they don't have that tree cover yet. So I thought that was a really interesting uh, question there. And I really need to dig into that one just a little bit more just to, just to see where, which zip codes those answers came from. Because, you know, if you were in a new development and you had tree cover, of course that makes sense. Anyway, again, rabbit holes. I'm good at them. Let's keep moving. Uh, sixth was public libraries. Seven was restaurants, gathering spaces, farmers, pharmacy, and then uh, running out the um, last of the top 10 would have been public internet. Again, another curious answer. Uh, public internet was added uh, when we first did the survey five years ago. Remember when Allo was coming in and they were putting in all that fiber and there was a, a question of, you know, where should public access be at and so that was, this was a question of was there a need was there a want the companion to this question though is what's the degree of difficulty to access the following factors in your neighborhood so one is well what are those things that you're looking for and then two is in your neighborhood how hard is it to get to these things if we would rank those in the same order uh, from um, the greatest response to the least, we would see that these are kind of in interesting things. Um, what are the hardest things to get to? And, 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 and if I could reference this in, in another way. In the first question, it was, what do you want? It was from a scale of one to five. The, the uh, greatest want was, was then marked at roughly a four. And the, and the lowest value of that was roughly at one and a half. So there were some good ones, but there wasn't really low ones. But when we look at the degree of access, the highest difficulty is roughly two and a half, and the lowest difficulty is about one and a half. So what that tells us, one, is that there isn't a lot of difficulty in getting to different kinds of uh, resources that that first question asked. And I think that's really interesting. With all that in mind, I'm going to skip ahead to some of our consolidated plans. So the analysis of impediments, the survey, the survey in both of those documents. In fact, all these three documents are available online at lincoln.ne.gov, keyword urban, develop, urban development. And on the uh, right-hand side of the screen, if you scroll down, you'll see that there's uh, links to all these. Um, and you can just check those out. Well, let's go take out, let's go do a quick review of how this all informs our five-year planning process. When we do this planning process, the main output of that is two main things. One is we develop goals and we develop projects that then help achieve those goals. So what I'd like to do is just uh, 
take a look at some of our projects and just explain out what some of those might be. So again, I'm going to apologize for not having my system up and going and in the place where I should have had it at. But we're right here now. My apologies. So, just for some context, our consolidated planning effort, it's roughly 250 pages or about 55,000 words. Only if you're a super nerd, like your dear beloved host, <laughs> would you really want to read all that when this document is submitted before city council, which will be coming up soon, there is an executive summary of that effort. And in fact, we might even just do a uh, direct show on that and bring in uh, the community development man manager, just so we can have some good back and forth about what are those questions, uh, what are those projects and how were they selected? Oh my God. My deepest apologies. All right, there we go. So those, those, those projects that we have out there, um, we had uh, oh, roughly 28 projects that worked to really get our uh, actions out there. The first three relate to homelessness. Uh, so I'm just gonna go over these quickly, so just in a little bit of time that we have. Uh, the first one is uh, support r reducing the median length of time that someone remains homeless. The second is reduce the number of persons ex experiencing homeless homelessness Third is reduce the number of people becoming homeless for the first time. Our next four are, are projects that work to support our analysis of impediments to fair housing. So again, we have those four primary uh, impediments that we talked about earlier within the first half. But then we get into some of the meat, meat and potatoes of what we do and what we want to do with our federal funds. One, we want to uh, you know, provide a security deposit assistance program. That's a program that we have with LHA that helps people exit homelessness. Oftentimes when you're homeless, you have no money to provide for the first and last month's rent, but we do have services uh, that fill the gap within the middle. So this is just uh, a service that, that, that makes that exiting homelessness a lot easier. Knowing that we won't get through all these, I'm just going to go through uh, some of the other top ones here. Uh, one, we have a, uh, another one, we have a, uh, we have a lot acquisition program in which if there's a dilapidated lot out there, we're able to get that lot, uh, demo it down, partner with Habitat for Humanity, build a home. That home is then put into a first time home buyer and, you know, home ownership is oftentimes a tough nut to crack. And sometimes we need to work as partners together across many or, or organizations to make our mutual want a reality. Of course, uh, I think that I've been here for a while that one of our uh, show uh, sponsors is, uh, is from the Nebraska Housing Developers Association and they have a program called RentWise, which helps uh, with tenant education. So we have a public service in which we work with uh, first time uh, well, it's not first time, but, but, we, but we work with renters to provide renter education. It's a six module course that over, over a number of years uh, and a number of uh, efforts of research, we have shown that RentWise is a great alternative to, uh, and it's actually a really good low cost alt alternative to providing housing stability within our market. 
So we would know that the city's median eviction rate is uh, 3%, whereas those have completed the RentWise training course, their eviction rate is much, much, much lower uh, at 1%. And just for some comparison's sake, uh, those persons that have a, uh, they just have a housing voucher alone, their eviction rate is 1.8%. But if you have an, a housing voucher and and an education, that their eviction rate is 0.8%. So you know, a free education uh, provides a lot of housing stability, and we think that's a really good investment of our federal funds. Of course, we also get into some other things such as barrier removal program, in which we partner with the League of Human Dignity to uh, assist uh, persons who who just need to modify their home so they can get in and out of it and, and make their home more accessible. Um, there's a great need for that. There's always um, more need than there's funds, but we do our best. So I want to thank everyone for kind of this hodgepodge show. It was kind of a, I was driving back in from a family event today. And so when I drive back from family events, these are things that I think about. I'm like, well, what can we do better? How can I, know share more with the public about what it is that we do and why we do it and hopefully that this you know was kind of a sneak peek into some of the work that your uh, you know civil servants do for you and i would say that if you want to learn more if you want to hear more shows like this with a bit more uh, depth and detail by all means reach out to us on facebook you can call the station uh, we would love to have your uh, your uh, input into our, our future content but with that we're going to wrap out a little, bit, a little bit early today. I am Kurt Elder. I wish you a great Memorial Day. Uh, again, I want to give one more thank you out to our 641 donors who made a contribution to support community media here in Lincoln over, over, over the Give to Lincoln giving season. It's been a couple weeks. Uh, you helped us with a donation in excess of $49,000. Thank you. Thank you so much for being part of our community. And for Lynn Fisher, I'm Craig Elder. We'll see you soon.